You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Weekly Brew, your source for political, social, and sports commentary brewed up in 30 minutes or less. I'm Austin Statton with Kevin Cook, and Kevin, it looks like it's just the two of us again this weekend. Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think you're delightful company, and I know that I am delightful company, so I think that we'll do a fine job. Absolutely. Well, some sad news to report from the Weekly Brew family. Zach Taylor, uh, who missed last week's show, uh, is currently up in Amarillo with family. We received word on Sunday morning that his grandfather had passed away. So our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. And uh, Zach, we're praying for you, bud. Yeah, man. Uh, hope that hope that you're doing all right, and we'll pray for your family. Jeremy, on the other hand, uh, we received a text message from him today saying that he could not record due to quote-unquote escapades uh, that transpired this past weekend in Austin, Texas. So I have no idea what Jeremy's up to. Uh, I think it's pretty clear from that. Uh, escapades is a charged word, and uh, yeah, this is a family-friendly podcast, but I think we can all infer exactly what's going on there. So Jeremy Paxson is getting into shenanigans instead of recording on the weekly brew but hey jeremy do you we appreciate it and we hope that you have some good stories to tell us when you get back i was gonna say he's probably trolling uber drivers <laughs> absolutely he's probably in austin like constantly like requesting uber right for place requesting <laughs> just until he gets the right match that is probably true all right so outside of that how was your week my week was good and the reason my week was so good was because i noticed here on itunes i actually have it open um we are the weekly brew of course you can follow and subscribe and all that stuff and so people did subscribe and so people did leave us reviews and i was very gratified by that i don't know do you want to look at some of these yeah go go right ahead so the implication here being that if you do as we ask uh which is very 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 simple you just go to itunes you subscribe to us and you go to ratings reviews leave us a five-star review and a nice little blurb we will totally give you a shout out on the podcast which i'm about to do right now so i'm going to skip my own personal review here uh just because it's my own review. But uh, we had one by Smash Too Hard on October 19th. Uh, last couple episodes have been great. Awesome new addition. Uh, I got to say, I think that's me that this person's talking about. He sounds very knowledgeable and adds variety to the show. So I am knowledgeable. I do have variety. Thank you, Smash Too Hard. Uh, Papa Cooker. No idea who that might be. Relevant, timely, humorous, and interesting takes on sports and life. You should give it a listen. And you are listening right now, but still great advice. And then one, this is the odd one. I'm loving it by Jasmine Bowie Katz. I don't know quite what to make of that. That was yesterday. Love the humor and mix of opinions in this podcast. It's a great listen with the windows down or right home, which ties in nicely to the uh, interview we'll have in a few moments. But um, but we appreciate that, uh, all of those guys who left this review. So you should go subscribe to us and uh, leave us a nice review, and we will totally give you a shout-out here on the podcast for being a good listener and doing what we need you to do. And absolutely. And, and you know, going one step further besides iTunes, you can also follow us and interact with us on social media. We're pretty big into that. You can follow us at facebook.com slash weeklybrewcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash weeklybrewcast. And if you want to follow our personal accounts, you can follow me at on Twitter at at astatin. You can follow Kevin at K Michael Cook, and uh, you had mentioned that we had some feedback. I also received some feedback uh, via text message this week. Uh, somebody uh, named Ross Davis who came up with the uh, kind of the whip around segment that we did to close the show last week. 
uh, sent me a text on Wednesday saying that he was listening to the podcast. And don't forget that the Rams owner bought acreage in L.A., but more interesting, owns Arsenal Football Club, a major soccer team based in London. That may pique his interest. So kind of uh, it, it's nice to be able to have the listeners, you know, send us text messages, make comments, interact with us on social media and kind of, you know, tell us what they like, and what they don't like. I have never had any interaction with listeners. So I believe you. I believe that we have listeners. Uh, you seem very confident about that. I have never seen any proof of it, but I would love to. So go to Twitter and Facebook where I can actually see them, not Austin Statton's phone, and uh, interact with us there, and we will interact back because, frankly, I don't have a lot to do besides this podcast and my sports writing. So I would love to uh, be reached out to, and I will reach out back in return. Kevin is lonely, folks. Reach out to him. It'll make his day. Super lonely. It's really bad. You guys should definitely reach out. All right, folks, we've got a fun show planned this week, including our first musical guest. So it's time to sit back, grab a drink, listen, and be informed. We'll start with the big lead. The big lead. For those of you that follow sports journalism, it's no secret that Bill Simmons was the digital force behind ESPN.com and most recently Grantland. Four years ago, Grantland became the go-to source for long-form writing on a variety of subjects in sports and culture and was the home to arguably the best reporting in the business. However, following Simmons' departure from the four-letter network in May, speculation began that ESPN would pull the plug on the site. Addressing the rumors, ESPN president John Skipper issued a statement in May stating that, quote, we wish Bill continued success as he plans his next chapter. ESPN remains committed to Grantland, and we have a strong team in place. After months of mismanagement, ESPN issued a statement on October 30th, announcing that, quote, After careful consideration, we have decided to direct our time and energy going forward to projects that we believe will have a broader and more significant impact across our enterprise. Kevin, we both have a background in sports journalism. What was your reaction when you heard this news? I could not be sadder about this news. Um, You hear the music playing in the background. That's... uh that really encapsulates the feeling that I had hearing this news and the feeling I have currently sitting in this chair because uh, I was a huge fan of Bill Simmons. Um, It's no secret to people that know me that he's sort of a role model um, kind of a figure to me because I love the way he wrote. Um, It's not just long form. It's really like the introduction of self into the article. And I think that really gives journalism um, a flavor and a depth that it doesn't otherwise have. Um, uh, when you when you lose that objectivity, you can really gain some substance, I think. And Bill Simmons was sort of uh, at the forefront of that. And he was a really popular guy. I think he's a really creative guy, a really talented guy. Um, and it's inexplicable to me. I, I, I literally waited, not like in line, but I waited when I heard that Simmons was getting a, um, a website and I heard Grantland. I was like, like Grantland Rice? That's brilliant. Like, uh, just everything about it was perfect. And then when it actually launched, it was better than I could have possibly believed. Chuck Klosterman, uh, one of his contributors and writers, uh, the podcasts were terrific. Jalen Rose, really, um, I mean, obviously well-known before, but then sort of became uh, a pop culture icon and figure uh, through that. And I, I could not overstate how much I loved this site, how well-run and edited I think it was. Um, and how much I think it changed the landscape of sports journalism. And it's just incomprehensible to me. I'm, I'm still kind of in shock. I actually have Grantland open right now. And it has that sad little page that says we're done. Click up for the uh, archives, but we're not coming back. And I just, it's brutally sad to me. How do you feel? Like you, I was kind of encouraged when the site launched about four years ago. Uh, Bill Simmons, he's always been a you know, very smart, recognizable guy. And I think he's you know, identified well with uh, the general public. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, he's a great follow. Um, you know, definitely has some good insights. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, honestly, it sucks. I mean, I, ESPN, it's, it's, it's my homepage on my computer. Uh, I go to it 
you know, kind of frequently. And, you know, I remember the days back when uh, Bill Simmons used to post on page two, uh, that ESPN kind of, uh, I don't know, it was it was great. I don't know if it was trying to be Grantland before Grantland was Grantland. Um, but, you know, the, the writing was just phenomenal in there. And I, I loved how it didn't always focus on just sports, but it got into the cultural issues as well. And, you know, I think that's what draws in, you know, the casual uh, you know, sports fan, uh, somebody that might not follow sports on a regular basis, somebody that wants to go in depth on the player or go more in depth on the story rather than just the box score. And I think that's what Grantland provided. Uh, and, you know, the, the people that I feel worst about are the editors and the writers that, you know, pour their heart and soul into the site for the last four years. And, you know, now once their contracts expire, are going to be looking for a different role. And I think a lot of them, you know, might follow Bill Simmons over to HBO. I think it's still kind of uncertain on what Bill Simmons' landscape is going to look like when he goes over to HBO. I know he's launching a new show that's going to start here soon. Of course, his podcast uh, you know, is, is still very popular, but it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see what happens with these writers and editors and to see where they land. I definitely think they're going to be a hot commodity, and who knows, maybe a lot of them end up at Fox Sports. Yeah, and it's just, I, I don't know if you can replicate or, or, um, or sort of bring about again what they had before on this site. It's sort of like catching uh, lightning in a bottle, I think is the expression. And I just, I feel a deep and profound sense of loss. And I kind of, uh, you know, um, actually, this is interesting. I'll post a link uh, through our Facebook page to a self-published article I wrote uh, when Free Simmons was a big hashtag about the Roger Goodell podcast, subvention, all that stuff. I threatened to stop watching and listening to ESPN and boycott them until Simmons was back uh, and did that, actually. Um, so obviously, I'm very passionate about it. And that's uh, that's back when I was self-publishing stuff. So that's kind of a cute little look into, in my past as well. But um, I, I don't know. I wonder if there's not something that we've lost that we can't get back. Because some people are saying that Grantland changed the landscape. I think that's true in a sense. But is there now a forum for that kind of journalism? Because uh, ESPN said in their statement, we're getting out of the pop culture business, which was um, sort of trite and snide and made me dislike ESPN even more. Um, and you're right. That's kind of what brought people in. I can recall texting links uh, to Grantland to my girlfriend, actually, who loves The Walking Dead. I texted her a link. And it's really weird uh, for a girlfriend who doesn't like sports very much, you know, to be able to share something like that. So there's really something special in it. And I don't know what, I mean, have you heard about HBO's plans? Is that something that they're going to try to revive there, that sort of website and that sort of journalism? Honestly, I've not, you know, dived into what HBO's plans are outside of the show uh, they're hosting. But, you know, Bill Simmons is a smart guy. I think he knows that, you know, it was ESPN's loss when he left, but he had so many different suitors. I mean, he had Fox coming after him. He had HBO. I mean, he had so many different networks. It was essentially a bidding war for the guy. Uh, so I, I trust in him, uh, you know, in his foresight that he's going to do something great. It's also worth noting that uh, ESPN has stated that despite this change, the legacy of smart, long-form sports storytelling and innovative short-form video content will continue finding a home on many of other ESPN platforms. ESPN also said that two other sites it owns, 538 and The Undefeated, remain unaffected. It also said that all writer contracts will be honored and the writers would appear on other ESPN platforms. You know, uh, outside of Grantland, another website that I really enjoy, especially a great follow, uh, Nate Silver, who used to be with the New York Times, kind of made his name for himself during previous elections, you know, kind of projecting which electoral college votes would go where. Uh, but he... he is essentially the, the man behind 538. And I, I find that blog fascinating. It dives into the specialty stats, really, if you will, the the polling and everything behind the sports, almost the 
analytical approach. Uh, so it, it's good that those two sites are staying around for ESPN, but honestly, it just it, it sucks that Grantland is gone. And they've mismanaged this at every step of the way, from their conflicts with Bill Simmons all the way up to the uh, atmosphere of fear that people are saying existed around Grantland, and in down to lying about how we're committed to keeping Grantland alive, even though they're you know three months away from from canceling it and shutting it down. So it's, uh, I mean, how. I'm just frustrated. How poorly has ESPN and parent company Disney managed this situation? Yeah, and one of the things to me that I find frustrating as a sports guy is when I turn on ESPN or I turn on Twitter and I see somebody retweeting Skip Bayless. You know, I mean, that guy's paid seven figures a year and they don't want to dive into pop culture. But, I mean, the guy is a loose cannon. He's essentially clickbait. And it, it saddens me that ESPN is going to back someone like him rather than quality journalism that we saw on Grantland. And that, to me, is just baffling. It, it, it seems like ESPN does not want to get better. They just care about ratings. And honestly, I think the ratings are suffering a little bit, especially since you know me, most people are you know starting to cut the cable cord. To me, the whole situation is baffling. To me, the loose cannon is not Skip Bayless. Bill Simmons was the loose cannon. He was the one they couldn't deal with. And I think that, I mean, I have hope. HBO seems like an organization that is better equipped philosophically and spiritually to deal with somebody who is admittedly high maintenance, but somebody who's high risk, high reward. And I don't think that ESPN's corporate culture was able to deal with what Simmons brought to the table. I actually listened, not live, but like right after it aired, I was already on that podcast listening to Bill. And I remember just getting excited as he was talking about Roger Goodell because it mirrored everything that I'd been saying and thinking about Goodell and ESPN's relationship with NFL and the sort of lack of journalistic integrity they had in covering, um, a lot of what the NFL did because of that financial relationship. And I thought, wow, it's amazing that people can do this. And then he said, like, I dare someone to suspend me. And I, ah, oh, my heart sunk. I was like, they're going to do it, Bill. They're going to do it, man. And they did. And that was sort of, uh, the writing was on the wall at that point. And I just, I don't think that, I don't think that I like ESPN's approach. I think they're in bed with the wrong people financially. And I think that um, they don't represent journalistic integrity on any level. I mean, what do you think? One thing that I, I would like to point out is ESPN is owned by Disney. Uh, so it is a very, very large corporation that owns them, and it's a very profitable wing for Disney. Uh, so I think that you have to kind of look at it with a different lens uh, here. I, you know, you just can't put ESPN on its own island. I mean, they're trying to make a publicly traded company profitable. And so I think it came down to a business decision. One of the things that a lot of people have been kind of curious about is what were the actual click numbers? How many readers did Grantland have? Uh, you know, and and that's something that we're just not sure of. Grantland was never supported by ESPN. This is what Bill Simmons has been talking about for the past like two months. I've been listening to his new podcast, which is basically just a gambling podcast. But I love Bill Simmons. I'll listen to anything he does, and he's been talking about how ESPN didn't provide links to Grantland from the main ESPN page. There's no app development. Uh, they gave him virtually no budget. They said his podcast couldn't make money, and he's turned around. I think his podcast is valued at like five million dollars in advertising now. Just the one he's doing on his own for uh, HBO. It's they gave him no support. And I think it's because ESPN was scared of supporting real artistry and supporting something that took work to um, to nurture and to build and to get into people's homes. And you know there was swearing on the site. There was controversial opinions on the site. It was everything that you'd want in exciting journalism. And I think that scared ESPN away. And maybe that has something to do with parent company Disney. I have to say that. Um, I'm not thrilled with what I perceive to be ESPN and Disney's uh, culpability in this whole 
in this whole kerfuffle because it's it's been in my mind an unmitigated disaster and a tragedy in the world of sports journalism. One thing to point out, uh, just looking up Bill Simmons's new contract right now, he's set to make ten million dollars a year with HBO, and he's going to be joining Bill Maher, John Oliver, Game of Thrones, Veep. So a lot of people already look to. Uh, you know HBO for their sports content. We've seen, uh, you know, the the Bryant Gumbel's real sports, uh, but now they have another, um, you know, kind of chip in their bag with Bill Simmons. A much better chip too. I mean, it'll be a great fit for him. I think, and I can't wait. I'll have to find some way to uh, subscribe to HBO now, uh, which I wasn't before. And that's that's the kind of thing that Bill Simmons brings. Is that I'm now looking into how to be a part of HBO's uh, content. Because he's there. I would go anywhere Bill went. And I'm kind of a fanboy. And I'm fine with that. Because I think that what he brings to the world of sports and pop culture is something that is, if not unique, at least original and exciting and awesome. And I just don't understand. Like you said, it's a business move. But I think it's bad business. I mean, Grantland basically broke even over its five years or four years, whatever it was, um, Bill Simmons said. Which was partly on ESPN, I think, for not promoting it properly. But it also added a great deal of cachet. Uh, and was of great interest to people who weren't necessarily ESPN fans and weren't part of the ESPN bandwagon before. It brought together a lot of different people, and there's value in that. And I just don't understand. It is. I would love to have someone from ESPN on. Um, I think they'll probably never hire me now, which is fine. I've criticized them before as well. But I just would love to hear how they can justify and how they can sleep at night having let go this guy who was, uh, you know, like a bell cow. Going back a little bit, on Bill Simmons on his next act, The Hollywood Reporter, uh, which kind of broke the story about Bill Simmons earlier this year, uh, says that HBO is going to launch his talk show in 2016, and the show is going to air on you know their linear service as well as their uh, you know digital and online platforms such as HBO Go and HBO Now, uh, which I kind of like. You know, HBO understands that cord cutters do exist; they want people to be able to watch their you know their shows their movies uh, everything that they're about on their iPhones you know they don't they don't want you to necessarily have to have cable in order to watch HBO so that could be something that taps into that broader audience that could maybe uh, you know, take Simmons to that next level. You know, it's amazing what HBO has been able to do in the past, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Because I remember being a kid and HBO was basically your home for softcore pornography. And that's kind of what it was known for. And then, oh my God, it's turned into this conglomerate that is uh, uh, nurturing to artists and a creative community. And I just, man, those people really have something, I think. Whereas ESPN is trending in the opposite direction. So it's a new world out there with the way that we can communicate and share ideas, share content. I think that's a company that is headed in the right direction. Um, And I think that ESPN and and Disney, their parent company, are headed in the wrong direction. All right, Kevin, I guess before we wrap up the subject on Bill Simmons, let's go back to ESPN's statement and kind of one thing that you took issue with. Go ahead and tell the listeners. Well, they said that they decided to direct their time and energy going forward to projects they believe will have a broader and more significant impact across our enterprise. I think it's wrong-headed because I think they underestimate the impact that Grantland had across their enterprise and across places their enterprise wouldn't ordinarily reach. Um, and I think that the impact was broader than they could have imagined, too. Talking about, like, you know, my girlfriend going to read about The Walking Dead on the site or um, there's a lot of pop culture commentary that drew people in you wouldn't ordinarily have and created a, a forum and a community. So I think the ESPN... I mean, they're just wrong. I get that these are business moves, but they're just wrong about the impact that site had. And I'm just absolutely furious that they thought it was a good idea to shut it down. I think it's something that um, we'll take a long time to recover from. 
strong thoughts, Kevin. And uh, I think that was a good kind of discussion. I mean, both of us have journalism backgrounds. Uh, you know, I, I work now on the PR side of things. You, you still cover sports. But it was kind of nice to be able to have that refreshing site like Grantland. And I'm curious if anyone's going to step up. And, you know, I'll, I wouldn't say try to uh, replace Grantland, but try to replicate the model and to see if that actually does have success or to see if Bill Simmons was actually the X factor. And if he decides to, you know, kind of carry over that model with uh, Grantland over to HBO. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Kevin, a few weeks ago, you told us about your worst first date, which ended with you being scuffed up by Toby Keith. Sticking with the Nashville theme here, we'd like to welcome Cammie Ross to The Weekly Brew, a singer-songwriter from Nashville. Cammie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, you're not actually here, though, of course. Uh, I don't know if the people know this. We do all record. I'm from Nashville, but be here on the line. There you go. Okay, so you're... I was there last weekend, so it basically counts. What did you do in Texas last weekend? I went to Baylor Homecoming in the pouring down rain. And how was that? It was great. I was a trooper, you know, and we won the game, and it was great, except for our quarterback got hurt, which was a bummer. But we're still going to kick butt this year, no doubt. So I can't believe that Austin has invited another Baylor fan onto the podcast. Uh, It's well known that I'm a U of H guy, and I have some uh, deep bitterness towards Baylor for keeping us out of the Big 12. So uh, this is not a surprise to me that another Baylor fan has been invited on the show. But welcome. I'm glad to have you anyway. Thank you. I feel like we are always like the stepchild for some reason. No one really likes us, but whatever, because we're amazing. Well, Cami, uh, again, thanks for joining us today. I guess just before we get started, uh, if you can, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got your start in Nashville as a singer-songwriter. So my name is Cami Ross. I am from Chattanooga, Tennessee, originally. Uh, I have been singing for as long as I can remember. My parents still tell stories of how I would like stand up on the table of the restaurants we would go to and sing the ABCs. So I've always been kind of a performer. (laughs) Um, I began writing songs when I was in eighth grade. My first song was about my best friend who all the boys loved, and it was aptly titled, Leave Some Boys for the Rest of Us. I am uh, still shocked it wasn't a number one hit, but, you know. What can you do? Especially after Taylor Swift. I mean, it sounds like something that Taylor Swift would have written, right? Right? Exactly. I don't know, you know? <laughs> You're ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I continued to perform all through high school in different singing competitions and musicals. Uh, once I went to Baylor, I kind of took a sabbatical. I was focused on studying. Um, I did a few shows at the cafes here and there, but... I I did move to Nashville after I graduated, and I began to sing on, I don't know if you've been to Nashville, but it's that famous street called Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, It has, I don't know if you've heard of Tootsie's Orchid Lounge. Absolutely, both of them. Yeah, great. So I was a singer at Tootsie's for about a year. I sang four to eight hours a day. It was it's pretty brutal. I mean, I think Carrie Underwood, Miranda Lambert, when you sing that those songs for four hours a day in a loud bar, it takes a toll on your voice. I, I did take a one-year hiatus because it, it did take a, a toll on my vocal cords. Baylor's an interesting choice, I think, um, because... This is true. Well, it's a religious school, so there's actually no like drinking and no dancing there, like Footloose, right? Never. Yeah. No, no, no. That does not happen at Baylor. Ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My parents went to Baylor. My uncles went to Baylor. So I decided to make my way on over there. But um, I did not stay in Texas because I'm a Tennessee gal through and through. And Nashville makes sense for someone who's 
interested in being a country singer. So, you know, there weren't as many opportunities in Waco, Texas as there are in Nashville. Earlier in the show, we played your song, uh, Act Together, before the show. What went into making that uh, song and, you know, the the new single for you? I so appreciate y'all playing that. Um, that's going to be released on November 13th, which I'm super excited about. Uh, this is, it's called Act Together, so I try to write songs that are relatable. Um, this song, as you can imagine, is about a girl being in a relationship with just a wild guy who needs to get his priorities straight. Uh, it's kind of an ultimatum song, and <laughs> unfortunately, I feel like too many women have had to deal with this, so I kind of wanted to write this empowerment song to show women out there that we don't have to stay in something like that, you know? So the whole the whole premise of the song is get your act together or I'm out. And it's really fun to sing. Uh, I say I'm a country singer, but I, I kind of like to add a little rock and a little bluegrass into mine. So this is my most rock and roll song, and I have a blast singing it, and it's just kind of – I can – put my attitude into it is it based on personal experience is it like where you wrote what you knew um yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's just say it's about an ex but i did get out So he didn't get his act together it's a it's a it's a true story and i'm i'm proud of of my decision and i'm hoping that other women can follow suit that is admirable. And actually, one thing I wanted to ask uh, is specifically, like, uh, particularly in show business uh, entertainment, what is different or more challenging about being a woman trying to make it coming up versus maybe like being a man? What, what are some of the societal pressures, I guess, that you're facing? That's such a great question, especially here in Nashville, because bro country seems to be taking over mu- the music scene right now. Uh, for the past several years, it seems that only Carrie and Miranda were the only ones holding down the fort. Uh, this does seem to be slowly but surely changing with new acts like uh, Kelsey Ballerini, Maddie and Tay, and things like that. But as far as the other thousands of women trying to make it in this business, uh, it's without a doubt one of the more challenging industries to break into. Um, I would say the biggest hurdle is trying to find a unique niche. Um, I can throw a stone in this city, and I it'll either hit a guitar player or a country singer. <laughs> so that's hard to overcome. But in my process, personally, of trying to figure out how to market myself, this past year especially, when I really started um, writing songs this past January, that was that's been my focus. Some really cool things have just kind of fallen into place. So I have teamed up with my with two of my best friends, Seth Ferguson and Elena Connor. Elena is killer at harmonies. I can play her a song and she picks up on it immediately. And our voices blend really well together. And Seth is a multi-instrumentalist. I write most of my songs with him. So I do feel like this past year I wouldn't have gotten anywhere without them. And it's turned into this really cool... Um, something that has I, I believe set us apart from other other female country singers because a lot of just country singers is just like the girl singing in the front um people have written songs for her but but there's something special about the fact that I've written these songs and these two people beside me have have put the effort and they've written the songs with me and um, it's almost kind of like a trio, and we are kind of working towards maybe being a trio because that's a little bit more unique 
than every other country female singer out there because there's thousands. One thing I've noticed is that whenever women are um, the, being looked at or being uh, observed or evaluated, it seems like their looks are always the first thing that's criticized or pointed to. I mean, do you, have you found that to be true in, in singing and performing that there's a sort of an unhealthy obsession with the way that you look or present yourself? That Wow. It's, it's also an amazing question because it's something that I have really been analyzing in the past few years. When I, when I worked down on Broadway, I felt it was very important to be, um, you know, a certain weight or have the certain makeup on. I don't feel that as much anymore because when you're singing from your heart, when you're singing your own songs, it's something different. And there is, I feel like there are two different categories in this town. Um, the ones where it's really important to, to look good and sing other people's songs. But to be honest, I don't feel like those women are taken as seriously um, as those who, who put their heart and their soul into their music. And that's something beautiful about Nashville, um, even as opposed to something like L.A., where I do feel it's a lot more about looks than, than it is now. So it's over the past year since I've started writing, I've become more confident in my music and my abilities than you know, how much weight I've lost or gained or how much makeup I have on. So, yeah, of course it's important in the music industry, but um, I, I like to have faith that it's not all about that in Nashville. One thing that I'm curious about is you, you mentioned about, you know, writing your own songs and, you know, the kind of the pride that you take in that. Can you take us through the steps of, when that you know thought comes in your mind that you want to write a song about a certain subject and take us through the steps of actually recording and releasing that song. I feel like I've written each song kind of in a different way, but I know my strengths and my so uh, my friend Seth, who I write with a lot, he's he'll come up with a guitar riff, and then what I will do is I will come up with a melody and lyric, and it just kind of takes off from there. Sometimes it's from very personal, um, deep heartfelt things that I've been through. Um, but sometimes, I mean, a, a song I wrote is things that my friends have been through. Like my, uh, one of my friends, her fiance broke off the wedding, uh, five days before. And so of course I wrote a song about that aptly titled what's wrong with you, man. So (laughs) I mean, each song I write is, is definitely from a personal experience, whether it's from mine or whether it's from something I take from someone else. But I do always want it to be relatable to other people. Um, So I'm not going to sit here singing about shaking my booty or going to the club because (laughs) that probably wouldn't fit Nashville. And B, that's not what I do. So, (laughs) so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely know my strengths as far as songwriting. And once we write the song, we uh, Seth gets in the studio, and he's so talented that he tracks every single instrument. Um, I get in the studio, and, and I'm actually currently working on my, my EP. I'm releasing my first single, like I said, in November, and then we'll probably do an EP release in January, kind of once the holidays is calmed down and um, I'm very excited about it. This is the first time it's been my own work, my own blood, sweat and tears. And it's just been great to, to 
kind of see what's happened even in the past year. Um, just little things that have picked up. Um, I didn't even know that I was a good songwriter, and I started going to these open mic nights, and this is what's led to different shows that I booked. Uh, we started doing YouTube videos, and uh, just it's cool the way that and and it, this that would only happen in Nashville. So you discovered that you were a good songwriter when you started going to open mics and hearing the songs that other people were writing. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I'm more of a performer, um, to be honest. So I I present my songs in a way that people relate to. So it's not like I have the best lyrics or. I'm not sitting here and, and going to tell you that I'm the best songwriter in Nashville, but I believe in my songs, and when I sing them, I feel them, and it's only me and the song. Um, and that's something that uh, has kind of gotten me booked at different venues, and it's it's just been the coolest experience, and it's so humbling, and I've had the best year ever, and I can't wait to see, you know, where, where the next, Steps are going to take me. Country music seems to have like a special place in a lot of people's hearts. I'm wondering what to you is special or unique about the country style that really appeals to you or appeals to your listeners. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but the new country music I am, I'm not a fan of. <laughs> name names, do it. <laughs> I say that in general, but um, a lot of country singers these days they don't write their songs. They wait. They listen to a bunch of songs that other people have written. They're like, oh, I think that'll sell. I don't respect that. I, I think about Chris Stapleton. I think about Johnny Cash. I think about George Strait. Those are true country artists, and those are the people I try to emanate. I would love for country to kind of take another turn instead of this, you know, this rap and this, what is rap country? What is, what is going on with that? I think they're calling out Florida Georgia Line right now. Is that correct? I, yeah. <laughs> mm, I want to say yes, but yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to be hateful, but it is my opinion on it. And, but I will say I love Miranda. I love Miranda. She writes her own stuff. She's real. She's just like a BA. I don't know if I'm allowed to say hard ass on this um, radio Absolutely. station, but can, but that's say, yeah, yeah, that's what she is. She's just cool, and she does write her own stuff, and it's from her. I mean, you can tell from each album what she's going through. I'm excited, um, as much as I hate that Blake and Miranda uh, got divorced. I also feel like her new album's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, well, I think are, that, that's kind of that... the direction I like to take is just personal experiences and, and relatable experiences. No one can relate to Baby Years song like. You make me want to roll my windows down. Like, what? I, I don't get it. <laughs> At least we got you I'll comfortable to the point where you are directly taking on Florida Georgia Line. So, <laughs> respect that. I love it. Now, no, I'm, I'm curious. curious. I hope they don't listen to this. And I'm sorry. I'm sure they're the greatest people, sure the greatest people ever. But <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, hypothetically, Florida Georgia Line does listen. And they want to bring you on tour. What would you say? I love you. I would just <laughs> open for them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell Florida Georgia Line, you know, I'll open for them if they want me to. <laughs> we will make sure that they hear that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. Do you have any uh, upcoming appearances that you want to plug? Yeah, um, I'm actually, I have a show tonight at a place called Puckett's in Nashville on Fifth and Church. 
Um, I, I play it. Puckett's has, it's a pretty famous, uh, old, it's an older venue uh, that started in Leaper's Fork, and now they've opened several different venues. And I have the honor of singing there quite often, and it's, it's been great. Um, I sang at the basement last week. Uh, just different. I mean, just keep checking my website, my Facebook. I'm always I'm always updating uh, my shows. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. I am a featured artist on uh, Acme Seed and Seeds Emerging Artists kind of little TV show upcoming. I don't know. A lot of cool things are happening. So I'm really excited about this. Well, you mentioned your Facebook page and your website. Can you go ahead and tell the listeners how they can find you online? My website is just cammyrossmusic.com. And that's C as in cat, A-M as in Mary, Ross. I, everyone thinks it's Tammy. So I have to clarify that it's Tammy, like short for Campbell, like the soup. And then my Instagram is Cammy Ross, y'all. And then you can nice. find me on Facebook at Cammy Ross. Very cool. Yeah, thank you. And I apologize about the Florida Georgia line thing. Now I'm <laughs> saying that. <laughs> oh, you're trying to walk it back now? No, it's great. It's great radio. Now, now anyone who loves Florida Georgia line is going to be like, I hate this girl. No, I think you'll gain a lot of respect and followers, you know, for making that statement. I think that's what a lot of people believe, but you're just. Okay, good. It's like slamming Nickelback. Who are you really going to offend, you know? <laughs> You're just preaching to the choir, honestly. <laughs> I, will, oh, I will openly say things about that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, Kevin, do you have anything else? No, I'm good, man. I appreciate you coming on, Cammie. Yeah, I want to thank you all so much for, for allowing me to do this, and I uh, maybe look forward to being on the show soon. Maybe I can come in the studio soon. We appreciate you uh, coming on today, and uh, again, this is Cammie Ross. And Cammie, uh, go ahead and tell the listeners one more time about your latest single and where they can find it. Yeah, it's called Act Together, and it'll be released on November 13th, and you can find it on Spotify as well as iTunes. Very cool. Well, again, that's Cammie Ross, singer-songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. Cammie, thanks for taking the time out and joining us on The Weekly Brew. Thank you so much. I hope y'all have a great day. Thanks, Cammie. I appreciate it. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Kevin, we just had Cammie Ross on, and uh, she was talking about her new single, Act Together, which you can find uh, coming up shortly. You can check it out on her website at CammieRossMusic.com, and you can also follow her on Instagram at CammieRossYall, and check her out on Facebook at uh, Cammy Ross. But Kevin, what did you think about her interview this afternoon? I honestly felt like that song was written for me. You know, I recently uh, stopped drinking, not that recently, 10 months ago, something like that, kind of got my act together. And to hear that song, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's, it's like an indictment. But great song, great guest. I thought she was delightful. And I love that she was able to uh, speak her mind, maybe more than she actually meant to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought she was a, a great interview. And, uh, you know, we had spoken a little bit before uh, she came on the show and she expressed a little bit of nerves, uh, but you know I thought she did remarkable. Uh, it was definitely great to have her on, and uh, definitely thank her for allowing us to use her song to open up the show today. Yeah, great guest. Uh, we will have you on anytime, Cammy, and we wish you the absolute best. And when we throw our you know the weekly brew launch party when we go national, we get on Sirius XM. Cammy, you're coming on. You're gonna you're gonna be the star performer for us. Oh, did Sirius make us an offer? Uh, it, it's a, it's in the works. Okay, good. I'll let you work on that then. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> we don't get out of bed for less than $5 million. Wait, is that us or is that Jennifer Aniston? That's both of us. I don't get out of bed with Jennifer Aniston for less than $5 million. <laughs> hey, at least we have high standards. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer Aniston, on the other hand, not so much. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to our uh, next topic here. 
You're listening to The Weekly Brew. So I thought we had a, a pretty fun show this week. Uh, we had our first musical guest on, and again, that was Cammie Ross. You can find her uh, new single coming out here shortly. And again, the name of that single is called Act Together. We played it at the top of the show, but go ahead and look for her on social media and her website, CammieRossMusic.com. Uh, Kevin, one of the things that we started last week was kind of mentioning one of the things that we're looking forward to this upcoming week. What is something that you're looking forward to this week? Well, I'm going to stick with the same vein. It's in the NBA. I actually was credentialed to cover the Rockets game against the Orlando Magic uh, coming up Wednesday night. Uh, and I'm super excited about that. I'll actually get to talk to uh, some of the players and Kevin McHale, the coach, and uh, have a media seat for the game. So I feel like I'm hitting the big time. Like It's really coming true for me. I'm loving it. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to this week is watching uh, the Rockets get off the schneid and crush the Orlando Magic Wednesday night. Well, as for me, I'm actually traveling traveling to Seattle this week, uh, which should be an interesting time uh, for work, actually. Uh, but one of the things that I'm looking forward to, and we alluded to it earlier in the show, is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is going to be the host of SNL on Saturday, November 7th. I highly encourage all of you to watch this. I think it's just going to be great television. Uh, SNL has kind of struggled here and there over the past few years, but uh, they still remain strong, going strong 40-plus uh, years. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Trump is able to kind of make fun of himself and to see if he's at that point where he can poke fun of, uh, you know, some of the outlandish things that he's done during his campaign. So that's, that's my recommendation for the week. Watch SNL on Saturday night. Closing time. And before we go, uh, Kevin, tell the listeners how they can find us. Well, you can certainly find us uh, on iTunes, which is the most important place to find us. If you are listening and are not subscribed, go there immediately. It's so easy. As we did earlier in the show, if you leave us a nice review, we'll totally give you a shout out and give you props for doing the right thing. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook.com uh, slash Weekly Brewcast. Um, we post out some pictures and uh, content from there that you might be interested in. And we'd love to interact with you there. And then also on Twitter.com uh, slash no, it's a handle on Twitter at Weekly Brewcast, uh, and we've uh, we've gotten some traction with the Houston Texans cheerleaders on on the Twitter handle. So certainly, you want to follow us there as well, uh, and we'd love to hear from you about anything. Definitely, give us a follow on social media. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your pets. Uh, whoever will give us a listen, we know they're going to enjoy the content that we hear. Thanks again to Cami Ross for joining the Weekly Brew today, and uh, I know I enjoyed it. Kevin, thanks again for coming on. Hopefully next week we'll have Zach and Jeremy back on the mics, but uh, for those of you, again, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, tell your friends, tell your family. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Brew. For my co-host, Kevin Cook, I'm Austin Staten. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew.